Uh, I'm Gary. Uh, I grew up in Chicago Heights. If you know Chicago Heights, it's not the best area to grow up as a kid. Um, grew up in a good home, Christian home. Both my parents were believers. Went to church every Sunday. Then I got to, uh, say, a little older, 17. Started becoming problems, you know, hanging out with gangbangers. First burglary at, uh, I just turned 18, robbed somebody's house. My problems really started when I, you know, first turned 21, walking through the casino doors in Vegas, when I first started drinking. Usually, my buddies would always say, what, what bar are we getting kicked out of tonight? I say, whichever one you take me to. Then started, you know, doing drugs, a lot of cocaine. Uh, I met my wife, Maggie. Just the drinking, and when I was with her, uh, just screamed at her all the constantly. Uh, the abuse I put her through, mentally, physically, I put my hands on her, cheated on her. Uh, my wife would tell me she used to look in my eyes and see see demons, because I know I had them. Uh, you know, she was ready to leave with the kids. I'd been arrested. She's got bailed me out. Missed the birth of my first kid because I had an ankle bracelet on. Uh, she's got some deep wounds for that, from that, from my uh, selfishness, my, you know, just the demons I had. I don't know how or why I had them, but they're gone now, in Jesus' name. And she, well, she wasn't a believer when I first met her. Now she's the most uh, like spiritual person I've ever met. Inspires me to be a better man, you know. And just one day, I don't know what happened. It was just she was she was getting she was going to leave, take the kids. She had every right. Can't believe she's still with me now. But that was that was my low, you know. I just told her I was done for the you know, 500th time I was going to quit. I, I finally decided that I was done. So as of right now, I'm six years sober. But then I moved to Cherville, we bought the house. Our neighbors, Scott and Amanda, that homeschooled their kids, they came to Livingstones and invited us and then that was when they did that, we went there, we knew that was the church. Uh, gave my life to Christ again there. Been doing a counter. Uh, Pastor Jerry's men's group on, you know, Tuesday nights was a huge help. You know, seeing these other men that, I, you know, seeing that I'm not the only one with these problems. You know, I don't have to hide it. I don't have to be afraid that people judge me, you know. This church is just... Uh, Completely changed my life through Christ. You know, now I'm a leader. You know, at some encounters, I'm a tabletop leader. Just for them to call me out of where I've been, you know, to help minister to other men. Me and my wife, we, we've been prophesied that our marriage and our testimony is going to help broken marriages. And uh, it's just crazy. And I'm in Pastor Ron's discipleship group. I meet these great group of guys and I think, you know, Pastor Ron taught me how to cry. <laughs> Member of the security, I'm a captain of the security team. 
guy that got kicked out of bars, you know, drunk all the time, fighting. Now I'm, I'm the captain, you know, at this big church, drinking, doing drugs, going to strip clubs to worshiping in the spirit. I mean, praying in the spirit and being a captain and discipleship group and going through all this stuff at the church is just completely, it's just a new world. Um, moving forward, I'm just, I'm just excited for what the Lord's going to do. I mean, he had to suffer for 40 days, but he was became perfect in his obedience, and that's what we got to work on every day is our obedience to the Word and His, and what He wants for our lives. And we cannot lean on our own understanding of this world, because what the enemy wants from us is not true. He's a liar, and God has has got you, and He'll set you free like He did me. messes with you, huh? It's so true. Everything meant for your destruction, God can use for his glory and your good. That's what he wants to do. And it's so hard for us to understand when we're going through it, why we're going through it. And sometimes that answer of why doesn't really pop up. I know that there's a consequence for sin. I know that we get in the trouble that we get in because this is the way of our world. But God has the ability to change this and do something that we can't do ourselves. And that's a direct product of that. And it's an amazing thing. Um, if that story doesn't touch you, I want to check your pulse real quick. And how many more testimonies are there like that in this room? How many more testimonies are coming? Um, but we've all got a story. And, I, you know, that's the series that we're in. Tell me your story. How is it still being written? Last week we talked about, um, Lord, help me. I want to keep in that same flow. And today we're going to say, Lord, see me. And what that looks like, really being seen by God and seeing him. Um, and what this looks like in our life and why this is important. Um, I, I am so passionate about uh, intimacy with the Lord, your quiet time with him, re really getting in your word, not letting that be something that slips away in the busyness of life. <clears throat> something that you should fiercely fight for and protect in your time and your schedule throughout the week. Um, and I know your flesh often does not want to do that. I know with all that you give, sometimes for the modern American, um, getting in your Bible is sometimes incredibly challenging as you give yourself to so many other things. And I just, I hope today you see the importance of jumping into that and fighting. Tell your flesh you're not in charge. My spirit is going to be, and, and that might be the problem with some of us today, is our spirit is not alive, and so our flesh is leading our soul. Our feelings, our emotions, our mind, our will are going that way instead of the way of the spirit, and I think he'll jumpstart you. He'll meet you. He will meet you right where you are. I'm not talking about becoming a biblical scholar. I'm talking about running after God. Yeah. And let's see what that looks like. <clears throat> but first, we're going to start in John chapter 1, 
verse 43 through 46. I mean, if you want to turn there or get your notes ready, I'm going to pray real quick for the service. That's where we're going to start. My man, Nathan. Lord, we just thank you so much, God, for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for all the people in here that are being touched by you, God, by the new thing that you're doing, Father. I pray, God, that you would break through hard hearts, um, mental barriers and blocks, things that have been put up since we were kids, anything like that, God, things we're not even aware of. I thank you, Spirit. You can break through all of those things. Soften us. Make the stony ground soft, Lord. Um, do what only you can do, God, as I speak today. Let it be less and less of me and more and more of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 All right, John chapter 1. Let's read this together, verse 43, 46. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda and the city of Andrew and Peter. So this is Jesus just now starting to get his disciples together. Um, I'm sure there was a little bit more of an interaction there, but that's a briefer cut and version. And Philip was happy to be following Jesus. And Philip says, I know a guy. <laughs> Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Which seems pretty skeptical. Kind of a kind of a downer. <laughs> Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, I do want to encourage you. Nathaniel, and we're going to see Jesus says this. He calls him out. You are a mighty good guy. No guile found in him. He was a straight shooter. And I, make no mistake, he loved the Lord. And we're going to see that. But Nathaniel was looking for something very specific, and the Lord will mess with you a little bit on your specifics. Can I just remind you of that? Um, and sometimes you know too much for your own good. One of my sons are like that. And he's only six. <clears throat> but you, you know, yeah, I know, I'm dad, I know, like you just chill out. Actually, Nathan knew the word of the prophets. He knew that even the prophecy said that the Messiah was not going to be coming out of Nazareth. Philip is just saying, this is what I know him from. But Nathan doesn't know that Jesus isn't originally from Nazareth. Where's Jesus from? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, right? Philip's just saying what he knows about Jesus. Philip met him yesterday. Give me faith like Philip. When I see the Messiah, when Jesus is moving, give me faith like Philip. But Nathan is like, I, got, I'm, I don't have high expectations for Nazareth. Like, what do you got for me today, Philip? I can't wait. Let's see this crackpot. <clears throat> Another Messiah, huh? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. That is really good. Let me tell you, fruit will always speak for itself. And I want to remind you of this while you are taking inventory of your own life. Sometimes there are things that we're going through because God is wanting us to be brought to the next level. 
He doesn't want us to stay the same. Other times we're going through things because you're sowing things that you shouldn't be sowing, and it's going to keep producing the same fruit. The enemy can make all kinds of things look different ways, deceive it, twist it, make it more appealing, all this type of stuff, but he will never be able to change the fruit of something. That's why the word says sin will only ever be fun for a season. Because when that season is over, the blooms have happened and we see what it really looks like. You with me? And it's the same thing for the good things in your life. What fruit is there in your life that people see? Do people look at how your family is and say, the fruit of that family is something that honors the, the Lord? I want that. How you interact with your coworkers. Is the fruit of your life one of godliness? Or the people that you're trying to mirror your life after or, or get a piece of, or I want to be more like, just check the fruit there and really make sure you're looking at the right thing. But I like that Philip says, come and see for yourself. Because I'm I, not very many people have been argued into Christianity. Is Philip going to get in a fight right here? The best, most obvious thing right here was come and see because he's right here. People need to see Jesus, not be argued into it. Now, we need to know what we're talking about. I want to be armed and, you know, especially with our young people where their worldview is being challenged all the time. Okay, I've been the, the youth pastor here for 12 years, and I love the minds of our youth being sharpened, challenged. Their culture is throwing a lot at them. You need to know what you're talking about. So I, I like being able to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and argue against or combat bad ideas, theologies, misconceptions, ideologies, things like that. But more than anything, that argument doesn't mean jack if they don't see Jesus. That's the only thing that will deal with the true problem, not the symptoms. Come and see. And this is humbling for us because you're supposed to say, come and see. What are they going to come and see? What you got. We're, get, we're getting there. <laughs> come and see for yourself. And let, let's check the fruit. This is a good place to just kind of get uncomfortable for a second or just, yeah, okay. I got I to gotta check the oil. I got to get under the hood. Because we can all sit and look at parts of our lives. You're not human if you're not like, yeah, I need to grow here, 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 and here. Um, and that is what it will be till the day we die. One of my favorite radio pastors would say, I'm not sinless, but every day I sin less. That's, that's the whole, that's what our righteousness looks like. That's what living a holy life takes us to, keeps taking us to the next level, faith to faith, glory to glory, amen. But let's keep going. Uh, 47 through 49. <clears throat> Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Excuse me, have we met? <laughs> what? Really like a you don't know me. I, a guy who has no deceit inside of him means he's also doesn't want, he's not going to deceive you and he doesn't want to be deceived. And he's like, what are you, you don't know me. How are you able to say this? What authority do you have to say I am what you just said? 
And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. <clears throat> Why is that such a big deal? We know that that fig tree was very special to Nathan. It wasn't because it was a fig tree or any special tree whatsoever. He's talking about seeing him long before Philip saw him in his quiet place. We know that Eastern men in that culture all had a place of prayer that they liked to go to. We don't know where that fig tree was. We don't know if it was a special path off to the wilderness in the side. We don't, maybe it was in his garden behind a locked gate that he would go to. But he directly referenced his quiet time with God in a place that only the Lord should know. And immediately he knew he was seen. We want to be truly seen because we long to be truly known. I want to emphasize to you the importance of this quiet time because this is the place that confession happens. This was a truly holy man who, though he didn't know Jesus, he loved the Lord. What, what, what secret struggles did he have that he confessed to God there? What, what desires and wishes did he lay before him that no one heard? What are the whispers what are the tears that fell? This is a very sacred, sacred, private place that Jesus just referenced, and it wrecked him as soon as he nailed him with that truth. I see you, and this is really important. I, I think talking about being seen is good because I minister to people and I pray with people, and I just see this part of loneliness that can be there. And it's so important for you to know that you you to know that you are seen by God. He knows what you're going through. He sees every struggle. Again, the journey is not always fully understood, and there's going to be pictures and answers that we get many years later that you're not going to get right now. But he is with you. His purposes are not ours. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But he has not forsaken us, and he is with us on this journey. And I'm telling you, he wants you to experience him in the most intimate way. Not a structured, loose prayer to bless you on your way, but to walk with you and to be seen and to have an intimate relationship. This quiet place is so important. Truly being seen it means something. I think of my sons. Hey, Dad, look what I can do. <laughs> Dad, watch how fast I can go touch that counter and jump on the couch. And he'll be like, it only took me eight. I'm assuming seconds, but I don't know that he knows seconds. Like... Honestly, wanting me to experience things that can be, quite frankly, mediocre at best. <clears throat> what? <laughs> they want to gloat when they beat their brother in Star Wars. Because my boys watch and play Star Wars because I'm a godly man and I'm raising my kids the way they should be raised. <clears throat> um, 
And not any of this new seven, eight, nine garbage from Disney. That's not Star Wars. That's bad fan fiction. But I digress. Um, why do they want me to see? What are they saying? Why do they want me to see them do that? Yeah. Are you watching me? Can I tell you, I can go through a lot more hard stuff when I know that I'm being seen by people who truly care for me. Um, words of affirmation used to be a much stronger love language to me, and as I grew, I realized it didn't matter as much. And then I realized that's not entirely true. It's the words of affirmation that came from people who truly knew what I was going through or where I was walking is what really mattered. So I got lots of polites like thank yous and appreciates it or man, thank you for that word. And, and I don't want to say I'm not grateful. There's no value to those things. But man, does it mean something from someone who's walked before you and truly knows where you are, what you're doing. You're starting to see that value being seen. My boys, they, they want to know like that I'm there for them. They want to know that I'm, are you too proud of me? Dude, that was awesome. And really, I, I, it took being a father to truly understand the, the, the pride that the father has for us, where it was like, dude, you were like this, you were an egg. <laughs> and now you're growing and talking and doing stuff. I'm like, he just colored a coloring page. That is a miracle. That is incredible. Like, I am so proud. Like, I, I love that. And I'm just thinking, like, when you're navigating life, I don't want you to forget how proud of you God is, that he's so grateful because it, it, you weren't created because he needed you. It was his desire and pleasure that you exist. Not out of necessity for God to be God. He's God whether I exist or not. Remember how he feels about you. That's why he says he's a jealous God, and it's hard when we're not close to him. He wants us to be close to him. That's why idolatry is a real big issue. Anything that I'm putting above my relationship with him, anytime I pick something before I pick God and what he wants for me, that hurts him. They want to know that I'm proud. They want to know that I see that they're growing. They want to know my kids, that they're taken care of. And don't tell me that you don't feel that way too. They want me to see them when they're hurt when the pain is there. You know what else? It's been really important for our relationship as a father is when I have to discipline them. When the pain and the problems that they're going through is because of their bad decisions, they still want to know that I'm going to be there for them. That's good relationship with the father. Well, son, I do have to correct you. I, I do need to be disciplined, but nothing is going to separate you and me. We're going to make things right and I'm still going to be here for you even when it's your fault. <laughs> I need that. And I can go through hell if I know that he is with me. Amen? Amen. This is a huge deal. And he does see you. And then we keep going. In uh, 49, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You do see me. And he says, you answered him, uh, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let me just blow your mind for a second, Nathan. That was nothing. Opening act. He doesn't just want you to know that you're seen. He wants you to see him. Not only does he see you, he wants you to see him. Hey, that's great, and I want this to keep going, and I'm going to be there for you, and I want to answer your prayers and things like that, but I want you to see the things that I'm about to do. I want you to recognize when I'm moving. I want you to know when it's me about to do something in your workplace and in your home and in your relationships. I, I want you to see me when I'm getting ready to do something with your finances. Watch as I open up the heavens. Yeah, and he's referencing what's happening here with Jacob and the ladders when he wrestled in the Old Testament. He's bringing up something near and dear to the heart of the Israelites. Really, it's, it's an opening to know and be known, to wrestle with, to connect, and to allow him to pour himself out and do something incredible. Do you feel that? Do you feel, see, do you, is this something today where you're saying, I need to be reminded of who God is? Man, I need to be seen. Maybe this is something that I've really been lacking and I haven't felt seen. I know he wants to change that in your life. Nathan had an incredible relationship with God, and this was so important for where he was going. Um, but I want to remind you, like, I want your relationships with your family to get better with your coworkers, with your parents, or with your kids. But before, before we go chasing being seen by any other people, you, you need to have the importance of being seen by God first and seeing him. That needs to come foundationally before anything else. This speaks to our motivation and what's most important. Um, and we can be chasing a lot of other things when he's like, I've been right here. It is me. I do see. Get that covering from that quiet time. Where's your fig tree? Get, do you take it with you? This is something I've learned how to do spiritually. I have a fig tree in a wagon that I roll around with me. <laughs> Something that I've, there, There's nothing like the quiet time that I can have at home at certain times or in my office. But the other thing is realizing that I have the presence of God with me at all times of the day. And that any time I need to pause and I need, I need to be sensitive to what he's saying right now or I get a nudge. He's saying something. He's doing something. He's speaking something. That's not a pastoral gifting. That is a son or a daughter having access to the king type of a thing. Move in that, access that, grow to that, ask questions. He's saying I'm here, but that relationship is so important. So Nathan says yes. He gets rocked, and he becomes one of the disciples. You may not see the name Nathan, but have you heard of the name Barth Bartholomew? That's a name I always want to say like that. It's not an average, everyday name. But that's who Nathan is. 
becomes one of the disciples. And now, it, I mean, if I had the ability, it would be like a, uh, a movie transition where Nathan, like, hugs Jesus, starts following him, and then you just have, like, a flash of transition. Like, their faces stay the same, and then things are happening in fast motion all around them, feeding the 5,000, crossing the boat, the storms, all these crazy things are happening, and then it goes all the way there, and then Jesus' face gets sunken in, cut, bruised, and breathed, and he's hanging on a cross. All right? The beginning of where the disciples are following, and then we go a few years down the road, and there he is hanging on the cross for us. And this is where we find ourselves. Because there's more to this. Because we're not all Nathan. We, we can be Nathan, but we're also something else. So now Nathan's washing, and I want to transition to something else. We have these thieves hanging on the cross next to Jesus, and this is who I want to talk about. Luke 23, verse 39 through 43. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He's got the sign above the cross, king of the Jews, mocking him in all these different languages, crown of thorns. They've ridiculed him, mocked him. They're uh, casting lots to, for his garment. He's had his beard ripped out. He's been beat by the cat and nine tails. He's been offered vinegar to quench his thirst instead of water. Like, this is not a good time. And that thief railed against him like that. But the other rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. First, let's just say being seen is really still there. When we are in the worst, when we're going through it, what's truly in us comes out. When pastor talks about the wilderness season and he's been referencing when we're really going through it, that's when we see what we're really made of. Um, who you truly are comes out, not when everything's good. You need to go through the wilderness to know who you really are. God, this is so unfair. He's saying, I know this is going to hurt, but this is important for your growth and your development. I think you've been carrying things that you shouldn't be carrying around and you don't know not to carry it. Go through the Amazon jungle in your heels. <laughs> it's going to change you. You're going to the Sahara Desert. Go ahead with that wagon and that heavy backpack and drag all that stuff. I wonder how long before you start reevaluating what you're carrying or the purpose of it. Holy cow, that relationship really was a lot more damaging for me than I knew. I've been really carrying things that are not, not only not good for me, but they are de detrimental to my journey. And the God of the universe, man, I mean, he read the scripture last week from the Psalms, and I will even remind you in Isaiah, it's the character of God that he wants to bring water into the wilderness. He'll meet you there for refreshing to your flesh and your bones, he talks about, a taste that you can only get there. But he's saying you must still go out there. 
but he sees us there. And at his worst, he still saw you. Could you imagine being nailed to a cross and saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. You want to talk about the ministry of presence and being there and seeing people. He took time to see this man right here. Father, remember me. I'm a little bit busy right now. I'm having a hard time. Would say pretty much any one of us screaming and crying while we're nailed to the cross, making hopefully peace with our ending that's coming pretty soon. But he's there. He was so present amongst, amongst his pain. The ministry of presence is a real thing. Sometimes, too, it's beyond just having an answer. It's just seeing there and listening. That's something that as God continues to heal and work in you, you just being there for other people who are going through it is such a powerful thing. Saying, I'm sorry, and can I pray for you? I want to pray peace and love and joy over you. I want to pay, pray for endurance. I want to pray for the grace of God. Not having all the answers, but Jesus did. And it's amazing because theology here can get really weird. And the truth of the matter is, you heard it from Jesus' mouth that you're going to be with me in paradise today. But that man did not say the sinner's prayer. He wasn't baptized. He wasn't church going. He didn't have church clothes. He never attended a congregation. He never spoke in tongues or baptized in the Holy Spirit. He did no tither here, no theological beliefs, never read the scripture. A lot of things we can get kind of finicky about when it comes to religion. And this man entered paradise that night. He sees us at our very worst and he still says, I choose you in your filth, in your lost ways, turned around, broken. Maybe... You don't relate with Nathan as much today as you do with the thief on the cross. This is an amazing thing. He believed, and God showed him that I see you. This is it. I don't know why that's so hard for some of us to believe. Because he's a father, He wants his kids to come to him. He's not trying to make it harder. He's trying to make it easier. He's trying to make it better. I know the plans that I have for you. Maybe not questioning all the heartache that we're going through. I know that's a natural part of it. But as you're telling your story, I want you to remember you are seen by God, and he is not... There's either a purpose for this or he's going to redeem it and my testimony is going to be strong and I'm going to do something different. I am reminded of my grandparents. Um, Well, I want to highlight the salvation and the incredible experience of this thief being seen at the end. This is not ideal. I don't want to find you on the cross at the end. We have to pick up our cross daily, but these two lives were lives wasted. 
And even when you're going through it, that doesn't justify, it doesn't say that you're going to be your best. Maybe brokenness is the only way. He will allow brokenness, but that doesn't mean you're going to respond well because that other thief was at his wits end. He was at his worst, and he was still prideful at the very end. Warning. 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 Don't be that. My grandparents, though, I'm thinking of my, my, my mom's side, my grandma, who loved the Lord. I can't wait to see her in heaven, and I, I miss a lot of the conversations I had with her. And my other grandpa who passed away on my dad's side, people who love God and poured in the church. But then there was my mom's grandpa who also passed away, who met God on his deathbed. And right here, I want to say, praise God, heaven celebrated that he's going to get to be in paradise forever and ever and ever and ever. And I can't wait to meet him and get to know him. I got to meet him one time when I was very little. I would rather have the Nathan experience and have my life be there. So for all of us who are more like the thieves on the cross, and you need to be seen right here, right now, now's the time. But I don't want to find you on your deathbed experiencing the grace of God. You can experience the grace of God now and let him use every day forward as a day of redemption. This life is short, and our stories can be so powerful, and I want him to do something with our story. He sees you. The last thing I want to say is thieves are successful at doing thieving by what? They can't be seen, or it doesn't work. Except for our government. I mean, there's... We need to do something about that. We need a higher power to hold them accountable. These thieves, I wonder what their stories were, how they got to where they were. The implication of them being thieves is more than just like they stole some bread. I mean, I'm reminded of the highwaymen that they had back in those days. Or think about the story of the Good Samaritan. It was not an unusual thing that there were thieves that would strip you, leave you for dead, take everything you have. I wonder if they were those kind of thieves. And I wonder how did they get to that life? Like, I don't know how we get to where we get. We've all got different stories. And there's a lot of things that happen to us that make us the way that we are. But we have to take responsibility for where we are. We have to take ownership. At some point, it's not anyone else that we're pointing the finger at. And he took ownership then and there. And that's when everything changed. But I want you to remember, we're not thieves. We don't just take like a thief does. It's, you know, it's completely different when my son takes something out of the fridge because he's thirsty. The difference between a son or a daughter taking what they need versus a thief. This is an identity thing. My son can sneak stuff when he's not supposed to. I'm just going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> he, he went from being a thief to a son right there on the cross in the middle of it. And maybe it's taking your worst day to get you where you are to, for God to you finally acknowledge that you see God and that he sees you. There in that moment, I want to live a seen life. And maybe you just need a private time with the Lord and say, God, see me. I remember when I was 16, 17 years old, and I was really struggling with who I was. And it was, 
the lust and the pride and the arrogance and habits and things in my life where I was like, God, I know that this stuff is wrong, but it's really not going to change unless you do something. And I found myself in my bedroom, door locked, and I was in the corner, in the carpet, my nose in the corner of my room. I, could, I couldn't get away from anything. I couldn't get far enough. Away. There was nowhere I could be. I was just broken. And I just remember he saw me. There he was. And I felt his presence. He didn't answer me. He didn't like, let me take this away from you. I felt his presence wrestle me, and I've never felt such peace. And it's been with me ever since. It was about running to the Father and letting him see me, knowing that I was seen, knowing that that love wasn't contingent on my perfection and my performance, but being seen by him and known by him affected the way that I wanted to live. It's not the other way. It's, I want to be better because I've been seen and loved by him, and he wants me in paradise with him. So I, I want to understand more. I want to do better. I want to represent more because it's something that I couldn't earn, so I'm going to give him everything I got. For your story, if you need to be seen, you just need to spend time with the Lord. If you need prayer, there's going to be people up here who are going to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I also want to encourage you to drop to your knees or sit there for a minute, worship the Lord. Maybe you need to come to the altar by yourself and just you and God need to do some business today. We're Nathaniel and we're both thieves on the cross. We could be any one of those at any given time. I've seen myself as him in different areas, but you are seen by God. And when you're struggling, remember James says, count it all joy. Because the testing of your faith, this is not, this does not seem fun or fair. Yeah, but the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. It's not until you're tested that you're going to see what you're really made of. This is really important. You don't need to come to God with a chip on your shoulder, even though he'll meet you there too. But if that pride is in the way, it's more like the other thief. You need to understand, I don't understand it all. I don't see it all. But God, I want to meet you. Just be genuine. Just be honest. Just be real. And he is not afraid to meet you in that area. You don't have any issues that's too big for him. Did you hear the testimony today? How many more aren't there are like that? And what does it need to happen in your life? What does it look like going forward? So let's do that. Let's just stand for a second and acknowledge the Lord. And if you need prayer, come get prayer. If you just need to do business with God, do business with God right now. Meet us where we are, Lord. God, we thank you for this day. 
We thank you for this opportunity to serve and to love you. I just pray, God, that your presence would rest on your people. I thank you, God, that there are more people entering your kingdom today. If you have not met him, if he is saying that you need to be seen right where you are, and he says, I'm, I want you to give it all up, then come give it all up. Let someone pray with you and help you enter into the kingdom like you've never done before. Maybe that testimony that you heard today was part of what you needed to see happening, that you know that there's redemption available in your life come get that. God, I pray for a deep, deep well of intimacy in the hearts of your people here, God, that they'd have such a hunger for your word and a desire to connect with you as they go about their week, God. Remind them of being seen. Remind them of being truly known, that he sees us at our ups and our downs from mountaintop to valley low. God, just be with them, provide for them, care for them. In Jesus' name, I pray.